Welcome to the PS Younger Self podcast, where we talk to inspiring entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and creatives on how we can all crush our fears and optimize our lifestyle to live our most fulfilling lives, and always on our own terms. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of PS Younger Self. I'm your host, Chris, and today we're talking all things relationships, and more specifically, why relationships fail. So we know relationships can be a little challenging, can be work, at least in my opinion. And um, our guest says that, um, that your relationships can really work and thrive, even if your partner is not doing a thing. Okay. Hmm, that's a little interesting. So um, let's get into it. Our guest is a psychologist, best-selling author, TEDx speaker who has spoken on this very topic with more than 30 years of experience. She, You can consider her all things relationship expert. So she loves to teach actionable strategies and tools on how you can make all your relationships thrive, even the one with yourself. So please meet Dr. Abby Metcalf. Abby Pleased to see you. Thanks so much for joining me today. I'm so excited to be here. We're going to have a great conversation. I'm, I'm, I can't wait to get going. Yes, yes. All right. So let's get into it. So Abby, you have found in your 30 plus years of experience, there is a number one reason you say that relationships fail. I watched your TED uh, talk and it was very fascinating and super interesting. So please tell our audience why do you think most relationships fail? Yeah. Well, and I want to preface this with um, most people come to me, either individually or as a couple, saying that the number one problem in the relationships, even at work or anywhere, is is communication. You know, We don't communicate. Mm -hmm. We need help communicating. We need communication strategies. That's all I ever hear. And the problem is we all learn communication strategies all the time. And in my 30 plus years of doing things, I was teaching communication strategies and they weren't working. I'm thinking, these are good strategies. What is going on? Like, why, why do people, why does it work for a little while? Have you ever had this in your relationship, right? It works for a while, a couple weeks, mm -hmm. week, two weeks, three weeks, and then you go back to your old ways, right? Then it, it reverts mm. back and the old patterns come up. And so I knew there had to be something else because I work with smart, amazing, motivated, you know, come on, why? And I myself would struggle with it. And I realized that the number one problem, really, that's that's the thing that's undermining communication, the real mm. reason relationships fail and the real reason we have problems, is competition, okay. not communication. And when I say that, I'm talking about how we keep score in our relationships. We compete for resources like time and money. Uh, it's forget, I mean, forget when you start having kids and doing all that, then you're really competing for time and money and all the things. But even before that, it happens a lot. We are competing with the people around us. And especially when we'll just talk about love right now, when you think mm -hmm. about your partner, this person you're supposed to share everything with and trust fully and all that. And we say things like, it's your turn to put away the dishes, <laughs> meaning that we're keeping score. Yeah. It's your turn. It's your time. Or uh, you went out with your friends on Friday, so I got a pass on Saturday. Or, well, you spent money on these things, and I got to spend money on these, then I get to spend money on these. We do it all the friggin' time. We are always dividing mm -hmm. up. We're always looking at what they're doing 
which is always less than what I'm doing. If I'm keeping score, I'll tell you right now, my, my hubby, he is not doing what I'm doing. I'm doing way more. You know, we start to do that. We start to tick the little boxes or we say things like you have to pull your weight around here and do your fair share. We use so much language that is around, we say my better half, my other half. I mean, it goes on and on how much we look and we think this and think about it when you're keeping score it means you want to win. <laughs> mm-hmm. It means yeah, it right. means you're focused on the minutia and you're focused on things likely that don't really matter in the big picture. And that's mm-hmm. I think one of the most important things. I when any and I'll say this right now, everyone listening, you've made a list probably of your dream, let's say man. Okay? You've made a, oh my God, made a list. Who <laughs> here's this guy, right? Mm-hmm. Nowhere on that list does it say must mow the lawn well. <laughs> Nowhere on that list. Actually, no, I'm just kidding. Oh, yeah. okay. But I I'm will just tell you, kidding. Yes, that's yes. what you what you moan about. That's what you bitch and moan about. You yell about the the dishes aren't done correctly. You didn't wipe the counter the way you're supposed to. Your whiskers are in the sink. You complain about things because you're keeping score because you're watching. You're you're tracking. Mm. You're 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 noticing what they're doing, and mm. and you're you're looking and think about it. <laughs> Why am I complaining about this thing that when I was single? Did, wasn't even on my list of what I was worried about. But when we get into relationships, we start assigning meaning. It means he thinks I'm his mm. maid. It means he doesn't love me. It means he doesn't care about what I care about. We start to define mm-hmm. it. We, we give it meaning that it doesn't mean, because tell I'm going to tell you right now, I work with so many men and I have now for so long because I worked in corporate so long and with men, they are not trying to piss us off. <laughs> they, <laughs> the last thing on their mind is upsetting the women in their lives. And they're not doing it on purpose. I'm not, of course, there's some little percentage who are passive aggressive and whatever. I'm not saying that doesn't Mm -hmm. exist, but I'm telling you the vast majority are trying to do it and, but they do it. And then I yell that the, I did this with my husband. I was, I I asked him to clean out the whiskers in the sink right after he shaves. And so he's, you know, it's gross, right? looks gross. The toothpaste gets in it. It's disgusting. I'm like, could you just (laughs) wipe the sink after you shave? He's like, oh, sure. Okay. He does wipe the sink after he shaves, but does he do it like I would do it? No. no. And there's always some whiskers around, right? There's always a few around. Now I could decide he doesn't care about me. He's, you know, I he doesn't think this is important. He thinks I'm his maid. Uh-huh. What no, he, he's not doing any of that. He to him, that's clean. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. To him, that's clean. And by the way, I'm not right because I think all the whiskers should be down the drain. Yeah. <laughs> That's uh-huh. not, there's not one right way to have a sink, mm-hmm. but that's what I want. I want it cleaner. So, and I will tell you this, I timed it once, how long it takes to clean the rest of the whiskers. Not once. I did it mm-hmm. multiple times because I'm insane. I'm that insane <laughs> woman who will time how long it takes. And I was doing it because I wanted to go tell him, yeah, see, it takes me five minutes every day. And, you know, it, it took me four seconds on average to wipe okay. the rest of the whiskers away. Mm-hmm. And again, not even a thing on my list. So how, so on that situation, it's so interesting because I've had a similar kind of like learning. And I think a lot of us, to your point, have probably been there or still do it. So when your your husband in this case, you know, made the effort, but it just because it didn't come out the way you would do it. Right. And you realize it only took me four seconds. So did you just yep. not sweat it and then showed appreciation and you cleaned yep. up the rest because it took me only four seconds, right? Because yep. you chose the yep. bigger picture as in yes. he made the effort. 
Well, and guess what? That four seconds isn't for him. It's for me. I'm the one who likes the sink that way. He doesn't care. And to him, just wiping it all is more than he would do. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. and you know, the other way I do this in my head is I, and I do it with my clients. I'll say to them, uh, I had a client the other day who was upset because her husband, he did clean the kitchen, but he, Mm -hmm. there was like jelly on the counter when she came down in the morning. And she's like, how did you, it's like in the middle of the counter, she put her coffee cup down, you know, there was jelly. Like, she's like, what? And I said to her, all right, step back for a minute. Mm-hmm. And she went and woke him up and they got in a huge fight about it. I said, step back for a minute. If you had jelly. a grade, if you had to give a grade to the kitchen, how he cleaned it, was everything yeah, else yeah, done? Yeah. Was the floor swept? Were the, di- were the pots done? Were the- and she said, well, yeah, everything. And I said, what grade would you give it? So she sort of laughed. She goes, I guess it's like an A minus, you know. And then she goes, maybe a B plus. And I said, all right. So you're getting in a fight ready to divorce because of a B plus grade? Like, Mm-mm. like how perfect does this guy have to be? And again, I get it. I But he just doesn't see it. He's he's not leaving yeah. the jelly on purpose thinking, I'm going to get her. She's going to put her coffee cup down in the morning. And I'm going to really piss yeah. her off. He, he doesn't want that. He mm-hmm. And I'm not saying, I'm not trying to support any kind of incompetence in men or women, because women, it could be the other way. Of course. And I understand there's, you know, weaponized incompetences all over TikTok right now and everywhere else. I, I get it. But that's not generally what this is in my experience, in my many years of experience doing this. Yeah. So I find it super interesting. And can we get like even deeper into it? Yeah, let's it? go. Like, because you said, you know, the, un- you said it so well that, you know, a lot of people talk about in relationships, whether they're relationship experts or whatnot, even amongst friends, like it's all about communication, but you said it so well that undermining that communication breakdown is because of our mindset of keeping score. So can we dive even yeah. deeper. Oh, yeah. Why do you mm-hmm. think we have this mindset of wanting to keep score and maybe it happens unconsciously? Like, it is it rooted in something else? Yeah. Well, it's rooted in our brains. I mean, so we're, you know, I, I talk a lot about our biology. We, we are built, you know, we've talked about this a lot in popular culture now. We are built for a time. We haven't evolved past when we were kind of you know, cave people, for lack of a better term. We really never lived in caves, but let's pretend we did, right? So we're talking about 100 million years ago, 60 million years ago, even 200,000 years ago, which is, you know, an evolution, right? What's the earth? Four and a half billion years old. You know, it's, it's, it's nothing, right? We are built to focus on the negative. That is what our brains do. They give more weight the way our brain works. It gives more weight to negative things than to positive things for survival. Right. So think about that. Mm-hmm. So you would always, you yes. know, if if you missed something bad a hundred thousand years ago, you were gonna die. What you, you were gonna die. It wasn't like, mm-hmm. oh, that's gonna be hard. You were going to die. So it was literally life mm-hmm. or death. And the way our brains work, um, do you want to go here for a minute? I can go here. Yeah, I, I oh, love okay. this. Are you ready? This no, will really I, I like this to is... dive into the scientific aspect oh, of things. Let and, me give it yeah. to you. So here's what's happening. So yeah. and I'm just gonna give three parts of the brain. So we're not gonna get too too deep, but you really have to understand these three. So mm-hmm. when you have anything that you deem as a threat, and again, mm-hmm. of any kind, so that could be a bill coming in the mail, even if you have money to pay it. Your brain thinks it's a threat. Someone's trying to take something from you, right? They're trying mm-hmm. to take your money. Mm-hmm. Your partner leaving whiskers in the sink is a threat. 
I want things a certain way and they're not that way. And this is bad. Like something, I mean, really think about it. Why do we care so much about whiskers? But there's a reason you're not, we're not crazy. I'm not, I'm not crazy. I'm a smart, educated, right? Together woman. And yes, and this is biology that I see a threat in my environment. Now, here's the problem. So it's not, mm-hmm. you know, 60 million years ago, threats were something about to eat us, kill us. Again, it was life or death. So our brains take any threat as a life or death situation. <laughs> Let me tell you what happens. So yeah. we have a part of our brain called our amygdala, which most people have heard about, which is where mm-hmm. that fight or flight, right, lives. Yep. yep. So here's what happens. I see the, I see this the the whiskers in the sink, my amygdala sounds a bell that there's, oh, there's a threat. There's a threat. Immediately, as soon as that lights up, just even a little, it sends signals to another part of my limbic system, which is this kind of ancient sense, the fear brain. It sends another yeah. part to another part called the hypothalamus, which starts to send out stress inducing hormones. Those are there mm-hmm. because if a tiger was chasing us, right, we'd have to have these stress hormones to, to run, to, to give us that burst of energy, uh, right, that, to get out of there. It also helps us focus. We get this burst of the, these, this, uh, we get cortisol, we get adrenaline, we get neuroadrenaline, right? We get these things that help us focus very intently. Because think about mm-hmm. it, if a tiger jumped out to chase me, I wouldn't stop and go, huh, I wonder what my best course of action is. I wonder what I should do right now, right? These, mm-hmm. that amygdala goes off, there's danger. Immediately, these stress hormones help me focus. This is why you're so focused on the hairs in the sink, even oh, when you don't want to be. Huh. Yep. We, we go racing off, running off. And so the other thing that happens, once the, the, the hypothalamus, those stress hormones come out, what they do is they work on another part of our brain called our hippocampus. That's the third part, which is where we, uh, uh, that's where we, if I'm in an argument with you, that's where I go, oh, Chris said this, and then I said this, and then she did this, and then I did it. This is where our memories are. This is where we lock okay. in a memory. And what happens is those stress hormones shrink and shrivel the hippocampus. They literally, the physical, re, the mm, real estate mm, of our brain mm. changes with these stress hormones. And so now this is also the part of the brain that helps me put things into perspective. It helps me understand how much weight it should have, how big a deal it is. As, and so I am over time, as I keep complaining about my partner and I keep complaining about my boss at work and I keep complaining, guess what? The amygdala keeps going off because it goes, oh, we're supposed to be scared still because we're still talking about it. Then the hypothalamus sends out the stress hormones again which shrink and shrivel this part of the brain that helps us see things realistically, that helps us weigh the options, that helps us really think logically about something. Mm -hmm. It's all out the window. And when our brain is now overreacting, our brain becomes a drama queen is really what's, or drama king. It's overreacting. That sends a signal back to the amygdala that it should be worried again. Because otherwise, mm-hmm. why are we still worried? We used to run from the tiger. We'd crawl in a tree. We'd fall asleep. And that was it. We'd wake up and we'd move on. You didn't, mm-hmm. you never see a, a gazelle running from a tiger and then, or, you know, whatever chases it, a lioness. And then, you know, after, if it gets away, it just goes back to eating. It just goes back to what it was doing. It doesn't sit there scared for another hour, what, you know, or perseverating. This is what separates humans. We have a part of mm-hmm. our brain. We can do what's called projective thinking. We can do this 
uh, thinking where we can think ahead. You know, what does that mean mm-hmm. later? What if he's still mad? And let me, I'm going to drive this really home for everybody listening. They're going to mm-hmm. really get it right now. Have you ever mm-hmm. had your partner or let's say a boss say to you, let's say it's eight in the morning and your partner's leaving the house and you notice they're a little whatever and you go, are you okay? What's up? You know, innocently. And they go, well, actually I'm a little upset, but I can't talk right now. I have to go to work. So let's talk <laughs> later. Can you, right? Yeah, can there. you feel it? Totally Everyone can there. feel uh-huh. it. Or your boss says at 8 a.m., I'd like to see you in my office at 2. Do you know this? Yes. yes. So, okay, here we go. Ready? This is how Not ancient our, our bodies are. Do you, have you ever had that feeling like your stomach's dropping out when that happens? Yeah. You might have had it right now. That is the blood rushing to your legs to run. Mm-hmm. That's how ancient you are. If you've ever, anybody ever sweat when they're anxious, right? You ever get like that sweaty, you know, feeling, that clammy yeah, feeling? That mm-hmm. is, you're supposed to sweat when you're running from an animal. And mm-hmm. it's to help you, right? You're, it's to help cool off your system while you're running. And if your arm is slick from sweat and something tries to grab it, it might slide off. It's a protective mm-hmm. factor from getting killed by something about to like attack you or eat you yeah. or kill you. So you might, your pupils dilate so you can run in the dark. You don't even know that. You're standing there with your Starbucks, like ready. Have you ever tried to then, let's say you're at work, right? And you try to go like work on your project, but you have this thing, you know how you can't work. You, you get like cognitive thought. You're, you're so anxious and all you can do is think about what does my boss want? What does my, what does my husband exactly. want? What does my boyfriend yeah. want? That, those chemicals, I just told you all those neurochemicals. If I, when I, when you run from the tiger, it burns off all that hormone. It burns that all off. The running burns mm-hmm. it off. So when you mm-hmm. just are standing there with your little coffee and then walking in the other room, you're not burning it off. So it's rushing around your brain going, hello, there's a danger. There's, why aren't you upset? You can't work on an Excel sheet. What are you insane? You have to go deal with this danger. And that's why you can't get your brain to leave it alone. Because mm-hmm. your brain mm-hmm. thinks you're in danger. So that is how ancient you are. That yeah. is how, when I, so sometimes I say this stuff to people and they're like, yeah, well, I hear that, you know, we've, we haven't evolved, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, no, no. Like you have physical reactions that are millions of years old. So I want you to really understand why it's so hard. And mostly I say that because I love you and I, I don't want you to beat up on yourself. Like this is really biology and it's hard to break. Yeah. And I think understanding, thank you so much for breaking it down from that scientific biological perspective. And I actually, that's why I I love diving into the science of uh, things and the to get to the why here on PS. Because for me, I feel like if you're really genuinely curious about whether problem solving or optimizing certain areas of your life, you have to get to the root of the problem or the root of why it happens. And if you understand from a biological, like evolutionary perspective, like why our, our, our human brain is wired that way, like maybe one, you could be a little bit more compassionate, like don't beat yourself up for it. Like it's all my problem, but it's like, oh, I get it. And it's so interesting when you explained it uh, that way. And it was super fascinating. And it reminded me of something recently that I learned as well too, which is so congruent to what you said, how as humans, we are just inherently uh, built a certain way to survive. And I was having a, another recording with an incredible breath work uh, expert. He founded Ooh. the Soma Network, uh, the Soma Breath. But anyway, he talks about how also similar to that aspect, but our, how our parasympathetic, not parasympathetic, our sympathetic 
right. uh, system is usually the one that's the more dominant because of that survival mechanism Has as to be. a human being. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So and we want to turn on. Well, and actually, great segue. So one of the things to keep in mind when you get very stressed, and this is a little off topic, but it's perfect right here. When you get very stressed like that and you're anxious, right? And you're upset and you just try to use the tools Abby taught you on the podcast or something. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's why that you can't access that part of your brain. When your amygdala is lit up, the thinking part, your prefrontal cortex is part of your brain where your logical thinking is, your rationality. Okay. It, in a functional MRI, it looks like there's a blanket over the logical part of your brain when your amygdala is lit up. Like it looks, it's like dark. It's like, can't turn on. So you can't think logically when your amygdala is lit up. And the problem is you think you're being realistic, even though we just learned you're not right. You're all skewed. You're, you're thinking this is bigger than it is. You're overreacting, but you think it's reality. So then you start thinking about it more. You're like, well, I have to keep thinking about it. It's reality. It's not. Your your anxiety is lying to you and it's telling you something, for, again, from well, a like biological perspective. Anxiety. So one of the things you need to do before you try to use, a, you know, like a thought tool, what the first thing you want to do is something that will break, which is why we love breath work, which is something that will break the physical hijacking that's happening. So mm-hmm. I teach all my clients a few things. One is, you know, a, one deep breath. Now, here's what's really important. When you breathe in, you actually activate your system. That's why, and I'm sure you learned this with the breathwork person, right? That's why runner, you know, athletes will be, you know, they get all their breath up. And when you're scared, that's why that's there because it actually revs your system. So it's a long, slow exhale, by the way, through your nose, not your mouth. Because mm-hmm. when you're breathing through your mouth is usually when you were panting and running from something. Yep. So when you breathe a long, slow exhale and you just learn this. So is, isn't this nice how it dovetails? So mm-hmm. I tell people, just do that. Do one breath where you just, you know, breathe in kind of, you know, as good as you, well as you can just through your nose and long, slow exhale, count to at least eight or 10 as you exhale slowly. That, mm-hmm. as you learned, you know, the vagus nerve comes on, right? Our body's, you know, sympathetic nervous mm-hmm. system start the relaxed response takes over. Do that. You can also check where your tongue is and it shouldn't be in the roof of your mouth. That's a stress response. Mm -hmm. So one of the things I do is kind of yawn or just pull my jaw down and make sure my tongue is resting. Really Mm -hmm. simple, really. And then the last thing you can do, whenever we're anxious and upset like that, we're, we're starting to breathe out of our chest, which is not where you're supposed to breathe. You're supposed to breathe out of your stomach. And we start to raise our shoulders. Anytime Mm -hmm. you raise your shoulders, your brain thinks you're about to fight. So it Mm -hmm. starts to release stress-inducing hormones and it causes you to breathe out of your chest. The two of them are very connected. So Mm -hmm. uh, I do what's called, they call it a shoulder shrug. It was studied, I think, originally at Emory University. But basically, you just shrug your shoulders all the way up to your um, ears. You pull Mm -hmm. them all the way back and then you just let them relax and you will Mm -hmm. relax that 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 response. So Mm -hmm. doing that first is like a mindful just, and it takes seconds. You have seconds. You could do this in a meeting. No one's going to know. You could do it anyway. Like no one's going to notice that you're shrugging your shoulders in this way or that you're Mm -hmm. checking or you're taking one breath, right? No one's going to notice. And you can calm the system enough to then, oh, now let me think. Now let me try a tool. Now let me do this other thing. But you have to get from A to B. And when it's blocked, you can't. 
And then exactly. we start beating up on ourselves. You know, you know how later you're face palming going, oh, why did I say that? Exactly. Why didn't I? Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's because mm-hmm. your amygdala is lit up. You don't realize it because you're not in terror, but it's just lit up. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. prefrontal cortex can't come online. So yeah. when you unhook, unhijack the brain in those simple like ways, that. you're now, right? And the breath work is really, you know, our breath is what it's all about. So you already you're mm-hmm. did that. We're not going to go there. But that's mm-hmm. really the simplest of tools to shift and what's something I teach over and over in my practice. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Amazing. So I want to um, now just circle, circle back, back yeah. because again, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, that was all incredible. And it was a great kind of a connection, but, and you so eloquently um, and makes so much sense now why we have that undermining kind of mindset of always being in competition, um, biologically, et cetera. Is there ever a situation, or I'm sure in your 30 years of practice, you've had numerous uh, clients, people tell you, but Abby, because I've I've been there as well, but, but it's like, but Abby, I get it. I get what you're saying. Like, don't think of it as a competition, but I feel like I'm pulling all the weight. I feel yep. like I'm investing more. And it's not even about like, I do the dishes all the time or da, 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 but like emotional investment. Oh yeah. The, the, you know, the, the care of wanting to do things together and da, da, you know, so what mm-hmm. if your clients or people are saying this, Abby, but it's like, is that, you know, is there a justifiable place and reasoning where you don't have to think of it as competition, but, but Abby, like, I feel like I'm putting in all the effort. Yeah. I, I, I think that's probably the top thing I hear from all the women. I mean, occasionally a man will say it, but it's generally the women, right? Saying that. Exactly. And think, a lot yeah. of this, we know, I mean, my God, and I have clients all over the world, by the way, and they still say like, you know, French clients say it and German clients say it, you know, it's not even just here in the United States. So, exactly. or in Canada, it's everywhere. So I want to say that first. First, we do live in a society, right, where women carry the more of the emotional labor. We know this. Mm-hmm. We know women don't live as long as men when we get married. Men live longer when you get married. Women less, less, live less long when we get married. So you funny. love it? I'm, it's right. crazy. Yeah. We know, My- I mean, again, tons of research. We do more work in that, you know, physical work, blah, blah, blah. So my mom, sorry to interrupt my mom. She makes no, please. like, she's like, oh, your dad won't be able to survive if I, if I left. Them. <laughs> it's, true. it's probably true, you know, or well, he will. Cause he, if she dies, he'll probably find someone else. I hate, I say with love, but that's why a lot of times men do that. They get married, right? If men who've been married a long time who, and a wife dies or something happens, I, I call it the Paul McCartney effect, right? Mm. Paul McCartney loved Linda. More, I mean, my God, those two were like incredible, right? And as mm. soon as she died, kind of within a year, he got remarried. But it's really a testament oh, to how much he loved marriage as opposed to oh, like, oh, he didn't like really that? love her that huh. he moved on so quick. You know what I mean? It's it's how much it meant to him to be married. And he's in another mm-hmm. long-term relationship now. Like that man likes to be in relationships. God bless him. I named my daughter McCartney. So in case anyone thinks I'm, I'm tanking on him, I love him. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, when you... I under, I, so I totally, that piece is a piece, however, or, and not however, and it's really important. And I, I, I use this, this example a lot because it's easy. If you think of a pride of lions and you think of what the lionesses do, it's about 80% of the, I mean, they've timed it. They've done time. They've done time work studies with prides and the lionesses, right? They do all the child rearing. 
they do all the hunting. They they do 80% of more of the work of the pride if you just divide it by hours, right? Okay. And lions, mm-hmm. you know, their job is to have sex and to scare away the hyenas. That's their job. And it doesn't come up as often as the rest, right? In a day. Okay. However, you can't, the survival of the pride isn't going to happen if one of them isn't doing their job, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. a lot of this, what the problem is, I think, is that we take things down to the hour, like this took me four hours to do, you know, I spent hours mm-hmm. doing this. People do it a lot, even when they don't realize they're doing it. They're thinking about the time they spend thinking about the relationship, making plans, doing housework. Do, and then they compare that to the time their partner, again, it's right. It's like the, it's the mm-hmm. time or the amount and they compare it. But what you got to do is really step back from that because the value, what you have to think about is here's the top three things I need in, in let's say, of romantic relationships. The, this is the mm-hmm. top three things I need. Is that happening? And step away from the rest. I What I have found is that I can, when I'm feeling cherished, appreciated, and safe, I don't care that Gary left his whiskers in the sink. I don't care. I'm doing it actually lovingly brushing the whiskers down the sink. It's when I'm not feeling the other things that I'm getting upset about. You didn't do as much as I did. I was out all night talking about this. And again, it's the meaning I assign to if Gary's not planning couples nights and I'm planning them all, that means you don't love me. That means you're not putting in effort. When Gary Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. is putting in a lot of effort, given his more limited kind of emotional Mm -hmm. IQ and mine, he's putting Mm -hmm. in a ton of effort. I I have to see it for what it is for him, not compare it to what I do, not compare it to what I can do, how much I can do. And I'll hear people, I did it not long ago in my podcast, I talked about someone was saying, well, I'm the only one who drives to him. We have a long distance relationship and I'm the only one keeping it alive. And I said, then then don't like either don't. embrace it or say i'm not going to come to you anymore unless i feel like it you know when i really feel like it i'm going to come and by the way i've noticed that that is finally when people will step up not as not as a threat don't mm-hmm. threaten ever. Don't give ultimatums. I hate the ultimatums. Like, you know, yeah. if he doesn't ask yeah. me to marry him yeah. by January, then I'm, don't tell him. You can have that in your head. I did, by the yeah. way. I had in my head, we were together about three years and I was like, okay, if he doesn't ask me to marry him by February, you know, Valentine's Day, I'm going to, I'm going to go with love. You know, like, it's just not mm-hmm. a good match. It, we, we don't want the same mm-hmm. things anymore and it's okay. But I never told him that. I never mm-hmm. told him he had months left because I don't, want him to ask me to marry him from there. I don't want to ask Mary because it's a threat. I want him because he came to it. And again, it would have been with so much love in my heart. I just, we we just Mm -hmm. weren't there. We were, Mm -hmm. what I thought was true wasn't true. And by the way, he asked me in December. (laughs) He didn't have to make it till the end. But there's a way that we get into again, that what it means, you know? And so, you know, this definition. Yeah. So mm-hmm. we got to step back. That's number one. We have to see value in what they do. So what is your man doing? Let's say it's, again, a heterosexual relationship and you're the female. What are they doing that you can ascribe value to and stop comparing it to what you do? And maybe, you know what? This happened with my brother not long ago. This is so funny. My brother has been sending his wife, they've been married, they've been together, I think, 30 years. He's been wow. sending his wife flowers on their 
the date of their first anniversary all these mm-hmm. years. Wow. And about a year ago, he said to me, I'm sick of it. She never gives me anything. I'm always doing this oh. thing. And uh-huh. I said, Robert, you are so lucky to have your wife. You've got to be kidding me. I said, number one, my, I mean, her wife's amazing. I said, yeah. number one, I love my brother, but please. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's the reacher. I'm like, dude, did you ever occur to you that this amazing woman, that's one of the things that was in the plus column for her, that you did this wonderful thing? Like, what, what are you comparing? What is she supposed to do for you? And what has changed over time that mm-hmm. you think that was good enough earlier to do for 25, 28 years? And now it's not. Like, what are you talking about? What, like, you're missing the point of this action you're doing. Were you only doing it for her to eventually give you something back? Because that's not giving. That's I said, and what exactly, does she give you? Can you, different. right? Can you focus on what? So, what does she do? Tell me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, you know, and then he has a list. I'm like, has happened. And mm-hmm. by the way, have you asked her if she could maybe do that kind of thing for you? Mm-hmm. And maybe she can't, even if you asked, or, or he can't, maybe if you ask. At some mm-hmm. point, because I'll have that, that thing with like planning dates and stuff, that comes up a lot. Someone will say to me, I always plan the vacation. I always plan our dates. Yes, I always that plan comes our up time. a lot. Yeah. And I'm like, great. Isn't that wonderful? Clearly, you're good at it. Can that just be something you just do in the relationship as your service to the relationship? And I will tell you, if you think of your relationship more like you think about what you'll do for your kids, for anyone who has kids, people will do crap for their kids forever. But then when it comes to their partner, I hear, well, he's a grown ass man. He should be able to do that. You know, like, (laughs) like suddenly there's no love, you know? There's all this compassion and that expectation, right? Or I feel like the obligation. Because he's my man, yeah. he's obligated, it's his duty, it's his job. And I feel like that, yeah. and I was having this conversation with a, with a dear friend and um, I was trying to come uh, in a delicate, but like straight for, from, I'm not, I, I prefaced it always, like I'm not a relationship expert. I'm coming across <laughs> from it, like I, let me just make that clear. But I'm coming from a place of my experience because I'm like, I think, eight years older than her. So based on my experience, my learning, and also my, my Buddhist practice has also allowed me to practice, uh, letting go of, uh, attachment and expectations, um, uh, expectations, outcomes, all of that. But anyway, so, so this expectation of because he's your man, he's your husband, uh, boyfriend, whatever you want to give him the label. Like now mm-hmm. you have this list of what he's supposed to do um, compared to, I like how you said, um, step back and see the value that they bring. Because I feel like when you have this list or this expectation or how you feel that they are all ob- are obligated to do something, you forget, like you kind of have this, is it confirmation bias? Like you have this very yeah. narrow view of like, yeah. Oh, but he actually is really good here and fulfills my needs and desires. Maybe in this other area that is actually more valuable, or maybe you have to reassess, like, is that really important? Then like, let the person go. But I like, lastly, I want to add, um, because I realized the way you uh, phrased it when you said you made that point about to you, Abby, 
the three most important things in a relationship was like, you want to feel cherished, appreciated and, and safe. And that's so interesting because um, to see the big picture, because when I was explaining to my girlfriends, now that I'm older in my, in my forties, proud to be in my forties, mm-hmm. that I always remember three things too. Mine are a little different than yours, uh-huh. but I always, and then these are my standards I uphold. A man has to adore me, but show me in, 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 in my love languages that he adores me, respects me, and I feel secure in the relationship. Yeah. And as long as those are fulfilled, because I've been with in that situation with you, like not the whisker thing, but I remember a different guy in the past, like it was cute. Like he was trying to make the bed and I'm very anal retentive, like it has to be made a certain way. But I realized in my head that like, why am I going to make him feel bad when he attempted to make the bed just because it didn't come out the same way? So I realized, oh, I should show appreciation like, you know, for the effort. And then in my yeah. own time, redo the bed because I will redo the bed. <laughs> <laughs> like, that I love is that. So, so to lovely. Help yeah. And aren't you, but here's the bottom line. Aren't mm-hmm. you happier? Oh, 100% happier. Because yeah. I remind myself of what you said so well, the bigger picture and the tool. And I love your approach to uh, relationship is um, providing tools and strategy. It might sound a little like business speak, but at the end of the day, when you understand again, the biology of it, it's a little mechanical. And if we know that we can have tools that we can implement, we have the control to, you know, be happier, more fulfilled, et cetera, without feeling completely yep. helpless. Yeah. I've realized, okay, now these are my standards. These are the three okay. things that are most important. Not every guy needs to fulfill them because that's nope. why I only want to be with one man. One guy. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's okay if some people want to have nope. multiple men, women, you know, but mm-hmm. yeah. And then I, and then I realized like, is it really worth like sweating this, the, one thing or whatever. Well, it or- kind of becomes small stuff. Yeah. And, and let me yeah. say this to that. I love it that you talked about standards. Here's what I always say. Yes. You want to have high standards and low expectations. But most people so- have high expectations and low standards. Mm-hmm. They'll accept I've all kinds of crap and then expect something point. different. Sorry. So can you yeah. please explain? Because I, yes. I I feel like I've learned the difference and mm-hmm. I've had struggle even trying to tell my friends two very different things. Yep. So please help articulate what's the difference and how you can definitely have standards and uphold them, but not have expectations. Yep. And I will say, if anybody wants to do a deep dive, I did a whole like two podcast episode on this. So we can okay, great. refer them there later. They can search on my website for standards or expectations and it'll come right up. And I even have mm-hmm. a standards sheet that I think is like free mm. with one of those. So you can figure figure out what your standards are Amazing. and what your expectations yeah. are. So people love that one. But anyway, uh, but yeah, so I say this all the time. You have to have high standards, low expectations, but most people have high expectations and low standards. So you'll accept all kinds of crappy behavior and then you're upset that people are treating you that way. And that that's not how you get to do it. So your standard, and you should only have a few. A lot of sometimes people have 50 mm. standards. It's like you can't track 50 standards. That doesn't really work. And I'll, I'll, let me give you a super easy one from parent my parenting life. I I have a standard that my children are unfailingly polite and kind 
to those around them. Mm. End of story. That is my top priority, not Harvard, not anything else. That's my top priority for my kids. When my son was, you know, so my son always opens doors for me. He, so does my daughter, actually. They're wonderful. You know, they mm. open doors for people, for not just me, other people. But one day we were walking into a cafe and Max ran in and didn't, and I thought the door would be open because he always does. And I slammed into the door, you know, when you like walk into the door and then you walk in and everyone's staring at you. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> so, and I was, but I have high standards and low expectations that a teenage boy is going to meet them all the time. Give me a break. Mm. So he's not a robot and nor is your partner and nor is your boss or your coworker, or your best friend. So I, all I said to him, because my ex, I wasn't dis- if you're disappointed, you had expectations. your expectations were too high. Mm-hmm. So I mm-hmm. wasn't disappointed that Max left, you know, didn't open the door. I wasn't happy. Like I didn't love that the door wouldn't go. But so, but when I went in, because I wasn't disappointed, because I didn't take it so personally and how dare he mm-hmm. and oh my God, and what's wrong with you? I just said, hey, hey buddy, did you forget something? <laughs> right. And I was like pointing at the door and he got, he goes, oh my God, mom, I'm so sorry. And on the mm-hmm. way out, he opened the door. Like mm-hmm. problem solved. So Gary has, you know, there's been times when he has come home in a bad mood and taken it out on me. Sure. It's rare, but it's happened. And mm-hmm. so that's not keeping in my standards, is it? Right. That's not respect. That's not the things, you know, feeling cherished, feeling right. But I understand he's not a, a robot. Like, so my expectations mm-hmm. are low. I, I don't expect it to get met every mm-hmm. second. Mm-hmm. My job is to know what my standards even are. Most people don't even know. And mm-hmm. then tell people when they haven't met it. This is called a okay. boundary is another great way to uh-huh, say this. Uh-huh, and I will uh-huh. tell you that most of your upset in your life is because you either haven't told people the boundaries you have or you've told them they haven't respected them and you have let it go. You've yeah. had no consequence, no response for the fact that they didn't keep your boundary. And so mm-hmm. here's the deal, and this will shake everybody's world. You ready? <laughs> your boundary shouldn't change ever, depending on how other people act. Exactly. So, and that's when women, especially, because we are taught this, we are socialized this way, that we change our boundary. Ba- so let's say we have a boundary, you know, that someone has to, you know, be respectful. Let's say it's that, right? And then they're respectful some of the time. And they're doing pretty well, but then they go back to old disrespectful behavior. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, they were doing so well. You know, I'm going to let it go. So we collapse our boundary. We get what we what I call too thin. It's like boundaries can be thin or thick, right? We get too mm-hmm, thin. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So then the person keeps treating us this way and we get angry and resentful. Mm-hmm. But you're angry and resentful and you're saying, well, they didn't respect my boundary. I told them I wanted this and they didn't do it. I'm like, that isn't their job. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's nice when they do. I like it when people respect my boundaries, but it's not their job. It's my job to respect. So you don't even respect your own boundary. And now you're mm-hmm. mad that that he didn't? No, mm-hmm. no, no. You'd be mad at yourself. So you need to do something. And I'm not saying you always have to leave. And here's what happens. People do do something finally because they get so mad, so resentful, so angry. They boil and boil, and then they slam the door the other way. They go all the way over. They block them. They unfollow them. They, I'll never speak to you again. You're punished for the rest of your life, I've said to my teenage son, I'm sure. You know, we get so angry that we, because our boundaries not, that we go all the way to the other side. No, none of that. You want to stay in the middle, wherever your boundary is, right? Wherever that is, you stay there. And if the person's really nice, you still keep your boundary there. 
if the person's really mean, you don't get meaner. You just keep your boundary here. I'm a kind person. I'm not going to get mean because you're mean. That's not how I act. But And I'm a kind person, but I'm not going to let you walk all over me either on this other side. And this mm-hmm. is one of the hardest things for people. We have to have what, I, what we call loving detachment. We have to, and this is what I learned mm-hmm. from my own Buddhist practice, you know, is that we have to, with love, with a good heart, a full loving heart, just say, you know, um, I'm going to have to hang up the phone because that's not how I, I can have you talk to me. Not mm-hmm. F you and I'm never talking to you again. I'm slamming mm-hmm. it down. You or should be not, doing this. Right in the yeah. middle. Right. Wherever my boundary is, I just, I have it. It's right there. Someone doesn't respect it. I say something, right? Mm -hmm. I don't have to, by the way, and women, we're terrible at this. We explain our boundaries. We justify our boundaries. Mm -hmm. We have to tell the whole story about our boundaries. (laughs) I had a very, this just happened. I had a mom ask me for money for the school and because they're trying to raise this money. And I said, and I already decide all my giving for the year at the beginning, last November. Mm -hmm. And I've already given to the school and we give very generously, by the way. And, but this woman, you know, she's one of the moms, she's on some committee and she's asking for money. And I said, oh, you know, we've already done our giving for the year, but if this is a thing for next year, hit me up in November when we're planning that. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'll try out. And she was irate. And she said, but we, but we need this money now. We didn't know this was a thing until now. And I said, yeah, I, I didn't, but we've already given, but we give this much money, but we do this. No, I can't do that. And you know what? She was not happy no, with me. No. And no, it's just no, but I wasn't mad. And she kept asking, she asked another time and I, she said, so you're not going to give anything? Really? If everybody had that attitude, we, you know, da, da, da. And I said, um, well, like I said, we already gave our money. If you want it for next year, if that's a thing, let me know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't hate her. I didn't get mad at her. I really do understand. I've been in that situation where you're just so frustrated. You know, you can't get what you mm-hmm. need and it's hard mm-hmm. and I get it. And that's what she's doing. It's not what I have to do. But mm-hmm. to not be worried that she, and I'm sure she talks smack about me to other parents. Like I, I'm sure, you know, who probably don't like me anyway or know me. It doesn't matter. My mm-hmm. friends aren't going to worry about it. And if other people think a bad thing, oh, well, I, I can't, even when we do nice things, you know, it's so funny with the podcast, sometimes people are like, well, what are you in it for? I'm like, I'm in it to help people. Well, you might, oh, I'm like, yeah, I make it? money sometimes. Oh. Yeah, sure. But that's mm-hmm. like, of course I could make money and still be helping people. Like, what are you talking about? You know, like what, mm-hmm. you know, people can come like attack, even when you're doing a nice thing, they can assume a bad thing. So mm-hmm. it doesn't, you can't control it. But the, if mm-hmm. I had said to that mom, well, we already gave this much money and here's what we did and did it, right? She would have stayed in that conversation with me. She would you're have right, poked holes right. in how, well, you're we right. gave this much. So, yeah. you know, we gave even more than you and we're still doing this. You know, I would have had an argument with her. So no justification, no explaining. And this is the hardest thing I know for me. I've had to really dig in because I want to please everybody. And, you know, I've had to really in my many years and I really do thank my different pra- my spiritual practices for helping me have loving detachment. Like I, I send love to this woman. She's doing her thing. She's not after me. It's okay. And mm-hmm. I just have to move on and I have to hold my boundary. That was my job. I don't have to be angry at her for trying to trample my boundary. So that's like a, a small exactly. example, but that's often when we are upset with our partners or with other people because they're not holding our boundary and that is not mm-hmm their job. And if you're not going to do anything about the fact that they're not holding it, then that's really on you. And Mm -hmm. I say that with all the love in my heart because I know how hard this is. I do it too. I know. And 
we have to stand up for ourselves. You know, we have to be where we are mm-hmm. with a loving heart. You, and again, don't go mm-hmm. all the way over and be mad and yell at them. And But I would mm-hmm. say almost 100% of the time when I have clients complaining about a partner mm-hmm. or a girlfriend or whoever, it's because they didn't keep their boundary with them. And, and mm-hmm. their expectations are that everyone should keep this boundary. Everyone should know. I'm like, no, no, no. You know your standards. You know your boundaries. That's mm-hmm. on you. Just just hold the line with love. Just hold the line with love. You are worth it. You are worth it to I love hold. It. Hold the line uh, with love. And I, so, yeah. I mean, that's – and I know, again, that's not really about the real reason relationships fail, but it's part no, of the bigger picture of how we're is, happy yeah. in our relationships. No, 100%. And I think on that – point, it's a kind of a great way to summarize is that I feel uh, one of the biggest kind of key points that I got from this conversation is again, not to, you know, fixate on the minutia of like, you know, the biggest relationship of why um, relationships fail, etc. But to me, it was about seeing the bigger picture, stop mm-hmm. focusing on the minutiae, understand why, you know, from Dr. Abby's perspective, it was so interesting. Thank you. Of, you know, from all your experience and a common reason why relationships fail. So understand that. And I think that understanding and the why even associated it with our biological aspect of always being in the survival mode and why we always, we have this mindset to compete. Okay. Understand that because I, I think that information is helpful when we put the strategies yeah. into place. And part of that strategy, I feel like I heard from you pretty loud and clear and, and, important is keep that bigger picture and, you know, uh, mm-hmm. understand or maybe create that that list too of your key priorities, what's most important so mm-hmm. that it helps you keep the bigger picture. You know, the three things that you really need in a relationship in your partner and then to uphold your standards. You said, hold your boundaries. I think the way I said it's similar, but uphold your standards. You know, you're the only person that has control in that. And don't be upset if they can't, they're not, then, then exit, like edit them out, you know, and then you're just going to attract the, the, the right person aligned Mm -hmm. because you, you held your boundary, upheld your standard. So I just want to give one tip at the end, like to really bring this together, because I always want people Mm -hmm. to walk away with what you do. So the big thing to to get rid of the competition is to see you and your partner as a shared battery. And whatever you're doing, Mm -hmm. we're a team. So it's not me against mm-hmm. you. We're a team. So if whenever something new comes into the couple, let's say, you know, the dog door has to get fixed or, you know, we have to take down the big tree out front or whatever, mm-hmm. what happens is we tend to look at our partner to, if we can't do it, if we're too busy, we look to our partner and go, well, you have to do it then. You have to pull your weight. You have to do it. And that's the big mistake because you're a team. So if you're mm-hmm. draining your partner, you're draining yourself. That's what's happening. If you're drained, guess what? Your partner's probably drained anyway. So instead, Mm -hmm. you want to do two things, one of two things or both. You want to either take things off your collective plate, take things off the plate. So maybe you decide that you don't have to take down the tree in the front yard and you're just going to leave it for till next year, you know, and deal with it later. Or... Uh, or your kids don't have to be in three sports, you know, maybe they can be in two. We could take some things off the plate, the collective mm-hmm. plate, it's a collective plate, mm-hmm. or add a resource from outside the couple to come help with that. Don't make it the first reaction mm-hmm. that your partner has to do it. 
Look mm-hmm. outside your couple. If someone had, we, I used to yell and scream about the dog poop in the backyard. And it was like, oh, my mm-hmm. kids wouldn't do it and they should do it. And they have to learn responsibility mm-hmm. and someone has to do it. You know, the fifth time that I walked in dog poop in my backyard, I was like, <laughs> I'm done. And I hired a neighborhood kid to do it. I, I don't <sighs> care what's right. I don't care that they should. I don't care that my husband should be able to figure this out. Mm-hmm. I don't care anymore. I don't want to complain about it. I don't want to yell about it. Clearly, everyone is too full in their lives to handle this in their emotional <laughs> bandwidth. I think they should, but be just because I think it doesn't make it real. So mm-hmm. I'm going to hire an outside person to come in and take care of this issue and take it off of our collective plate. That well, when you it, say yeah. to your partner, take this thing off my plate, you are you have the same plate. It is not two separate plates. It's one plate. Mm-hmm. So when they do it, you're just moving the mashed potatoes around on the plate. You're not mm-hmm. actually mm-hmm. helping yourself when you do that. You're really not. But mm-hmm. we get into the mm-hmm. fair thing and they should, and that's what's right. And I do this many hours. Why can't they just do this? We do that. Mm-hmm. And it's not helpful. It's not correct. Because mm-hmm. again, our brain mm-hmm. is overreacting. We are more focused on the negative than the positive. And so you have to shift out of that. And that's the way to get out of that competitive spirit is to really say, we're a team with everything. Everything that's mm-hmm. happening, it's me and you. So mm-hmm. how do we approach this thing? Use that we language all the time. What can we do? Mm-hmm. How can we add? What can we take off the plate? That's what you want to look mm-hmm. at. And if you think everything in your world has to stay on that plate, then get get a therapist. Like, but that doesn't mean like you have to do everything together, right? Like, can you divide and conquer? Like, of of course, but it's not. But you're a team when you think of all the things. So you know, if if it's it's everything together. If your partner has a drug or alcohol problem, it's not their problem to solve. It's clearly affecting your couple. It's everything, right? Now, I don't want Mm -hmm. you to go solve it for them. That's codependency. Mm -hmm. But I don't Mm -hmm. want you to just, you know, so ask questions. I always say don't sack. Mm -hmm. Don't offer suggestions, give advice, or criticize. S-A-C. Instead, Mm -hmm. you want to ask questions. How can I help you with this? Have you tried anything that's worked? Is there any way I can support you? Let's talk more. Tell me more about why this is hard. Tell me more about Mm -hmm. X, Y, or Z. Have the conversation where you're supporting and not fixing. I always say, see the tiger, don't fix the tiger. So see the tiger. Let your partner know, I see the tiger. I see that the dishes Mm -hmm. have to get done. How do we approach this, right? How do do we see this? And that's Mm -hmm. the thing. Oh, yeah. I do lots of stuff separate. That's not the issue. Okay. Okay. Got it. Thank you for that. I want to have time to get one of uh, my followers questions in here for you, which I'm super excited about. So her name is Whitney. And she said, I'd love to hear some guidance along the lines of being needy versus being aloof and finding, oh, look, we already covered expectations, but it came in here and finding balance and expectations and communications from a woman's perspective with men. So guidance along the lines lines of being needy versus being aloof. Oh yeah, no, I got it. Balance. That's the boundaries. We, it's, it's ba- I love boundaries. it. It's beautiful. I love this question, Whitney. You're brilliant. That's exactly. Hopefully, you've already heard your answer, but I'm going to encapsulate it here. Yes, That's great. right. Think of that. So needy would be the thin boundaries. Aloof mm. is the thick boundaries. Right? Like I'm way over mm-hmm. here. I think of boundaries on that continuum. They're very they get too thin, they get enmeshed. I'm needy. I you're me, we're the same. I have to have you all the time, you know? 
And then when we don't want to have that, we go, oh, I got to be over here and I have to act hard to get, or I have to, you know, not get so involved. And that's because you don't trust yourself. And Whitney, I want you to trust yourself. Mm. Of course you can trust yourself. So you come back to your middle, whatever your middle is, Whitney, whatever yours is, and you decide on your boundary. How do you want to be with your partner? How, where do you want that to be? Both of the ends are fear-based. That enmeshed is fear-based because we're worried about losing them. We're worried about what, you know, they Mm -hmm. might cheat on us. We're we're worried. What Anxiety. And Mm -hmm. so is the aloof. I don't want to get hurt. I I maybe, or I'm Mm -hmm. trying to be manipulative somehow and get this guy to like me. And and this is how I'm manipulating. Either way, it's fear-based. And I will tell you this, no relationship is made better. No love relationship is made better by fear ever. Right. Of course. Mm Mm-hmm. So any fear-based emotion, I'm worried that, I'm anxious that, right? Get rid of that. And again, come back to self. What are my standards? I like to be, lo- I say I love you all the time. I'm a hugger. I'm a kisser. I'm a. I'm an all over her, right? And this is my boundary that I like. I also like to go away four times a year with my girlfriends. And that is something that I've, I said very early in the relationship, like I need, I, and I also go away alone. I've just went on a, mm, a week in the Caribbean alone. No kids, no, Ooh, nobody. It was fabulous. I take time for me and that has, that's my boundary. And so Mm -hmm. if I was with somebody who had issue with that or, you know, got again, fear-based themselves with that, Mm -hmm. then that's not my person. And, or we have to talk about it in a way that you can understand it better, but this is all about Mm -hmm. the love. So there's my boundary in the middle, but yes, it's a, she's actually asking what we, I love it. It means we were really on point with what we've been talking about today. Totally, totally. Yeah. So I love it. So yeah, these are your boundaries, girl. Get them. Go get those boundaries and you be you. You be fully you. You be you. Yes, yes. And I love that you specifically addressed it for her. So that was awesome. All right. So we're coming to the end and uh, I think you know what's coming. Uh Uh, The question I like to ask all of my guests and why my podcast is called P.S. Younger Self. So Abby, if you can go back to the younger Abby at any age in her life to just pass on one piece of wisdom. doesn't have to be around relationship-based, or it could be to remind her to live fully in the present and on her terms. What would you like to pass on? Yeah. it's And it's so funny because I just said to Whitney, it's, it's, you can, you can always trust your heart. Always. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Well, on that note, to wrap it up, please tell my listeners where they can find you, hear more. You know, I know you have a podcast all of that mm-hmm. so that they can get more of this goodness from you. Abby. More of the goodness. Uh, so abbymedcalf.com, A-B-B-Y-M-E-D-C-A-L-F.com uh, is where everything is. And the Relationships Made Easy podcast, I think we're in 160 countries now. Like, you, like it's crazy, right? How these Amazing. things just blow up. You're just everywhere. <laughs> and it's Relationships Made Easy is it's my big give. It's, it's meant to be mm. like free therapy, you know, with research backed, my experience mixed in real research science behind what really works and what, you know, and my experience with my clients in the last 30 plus years, I'd like to say I was <laughs> younger than I am, but uh, I am proudly in my late fifties. And, you know, this, this is what I've learned and this is what I continue to learn from them. So Everything is there, social media, everything you can get from the website. And the podcast uh, is everywhere you get a podcast that you can imagine. It's everywhere. 
Incredible. So everyone will have to follow and listen. I'll be sure to add it into the show notes. And Abby, this was so incredible. I learned so much. I know that we provided a lot of value to our listeners. So thank you for sharing this time with me. Oh, thank you for having me. It was great. And thank you everyone for tuning in to another episode of PS Younger Self. It really means a lot to me that you're spending your time with me. So if you like this episode, please be sure to subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or just about anywhere you listen to your podcast. Leave me a review. Tell me what you think. It really helps me get more valuable content to you guys. So until next time, take care and remember to always live your life on your own terms.